In today's DAF, we're going to learn the difference between the way that a Chacham annuls a, a vow. We know that a, a Talmud Chacham, a Rav, can annul a vow under certain circumstances, and the way a husband can annul his wife's vow because he has that power as well. But the mechanism that each uses, the Chacham and the Baal, the the Rav and the husband are different mechanisms. And in understanding the difference, we'll also understand the power in the act of remorse, of regret, and what it can be accomplished with that power if one channels the energy of remorse rather than uh, become paralyzed by remorse. Uh, we learned back in Daf Ayin Zayin, Amud Bet in the Darim, it's nice that now as we get into Shas, a lot of what we come across, we've already touched on, we've already learned. And we learned a statement of Rabbi Yochanan there that if a chacham uses the wording which is appropriate for a husband or a husband uses the wording which is appropriate for the um, chacham, then the act of annulment is not valid. The, the annulment doesn't work because a chacham uses the word mutar. Uh, this oath is mutar, it's untied. And the Baal uses the word mufar, which is, it is annulled. So there's an untying of the knot, which we learned about back in the Dorim Define Zion, that the Chacham does. Uh, and by untying the knot, he leaves the string in which the knot was, so to say, uh, as it was before the knot was there, as if there was never a knot. But that's not what a, what a Baal does. A Baal is Mayfair. That is, uh, these differences originate in the wording of the verses from which we learn the powers of annulment. So in uh, Parashat Matot, we learn the, the powers of annulment. In chapter 30, in Periglamet Posuk Tet, talking about the husband, If on the day that a husband hears the oath, he annuls the oath using the word hefer, hafara, um, that's for the husband. But that a chacham can undo a, a vow, we learn back in Chagiga, Daf Yudam with Aleph, that's learned from the statement also in Parashat Matot, that if a person undertakes a neder or a shvua, lo yachil dvaro, he cannot make his words ordinary. They have a power of kedusha, they have a power of sanctity, of prohibition, and you can't just ignore that power afterwards. And the Gomorrah Chagiga learns, Rav Yudam says in the name of Shmuel, where the Gomorrah is trying to find a source for Hafarat the Darim, uh, Shmuel brings this verse and says, it says, He cannot make his words of vow, just ordinary words, uh, that don't have the power of prohibition. But there are others who have that power, and that's the Talmud Chacham. And so there we see the origins of the power to annul, which leads our Gemara to ask an interesting question. When a husband undoes neder, when an, a husband un, uh, annuls the vow of his wife, is he me'aker akar? Is he uprooting it from the beginning and retrospectively undoing it so it's as if there was never a vow there at all? Which is what the chacham does. In other words, is the mechanism used by the Baal similar to that used by the chacham? Or Dilma Megis Gaius, or perhaps he just cuts it off from now on. The, the, the vow, uh, in this case, Nazirut, was in place until this moment where the husband intervenes and says, This is Mufar, I've, I'm undoing this neder. Uh, from that moment on, there's no neder and there's no nazirut, but maybe until now there was. 
Uh, and the Gemara says, what's the difference? The difference is in the case of Atpasa, we learned Atpasa yesterday, if a woman says, I'm an Izira, and somebody else says, I'm an Izira in the same way as you are, I want your Nizira to apply to mine, then if when the husband annuls his wife's Nizirut, assuming his wife was the first one who said, I'm an Izira, if he annuls it from the beginning, he retrospectively uproots the Neder, then the second person who said, I too am an Izira, has attached her Nizirut to a Nizirut which no longer exists because the husband undid it from the beginning at the time that she said, I too am a Nizira, when she said, me too. Um, that didn't apply because now retrospectively, the first woman was not a Nizira and therefore the Hatpasa, that trying to, to get into the onto the back of the first Nizirut doesn't work because the first Nizirut was already null and void. But if the husband only... Um, cancels the power of the Nizirut from now on, then at the time that the second woman said, me too, I'm also a Nizira, at that time the first woman was a Nizira, that was never undone. And therefore the husband might cancel his wife's Nizirut from now on, but the Nizirut of the other woman that was made before the husband's cancellation would still apply. Um, what I want to focus on really is uh, one word that Tosfut uses which explains the essential difference between the mechanism of husband and chacham. And he explains what, what we've just understood, that it depends whether a husband um, is undoing the neder from the beginning, retrospectively, or only from now on. And he talks about the difference and he says, In the case of the Mishnah, where one person makes a a neder, and then others are matpis on that neder. So a second person says me too, and a third person says me too. And then if a chacham undoes the first neder, then all the nedarim are undone, because they were all dependent on that first one, and the chacham has undone it from the beginning. That's because when a chacham undoes the neder, he's doing it retrospectively. He uproots the neder. There nev never was a neder here. And it's as if there never was a neder there at all. And so the others who said me too are attaching themselves to a, a an illusionary neder, to a neder that doesn't in fact exist. But a husband who has the power to undo a neder, to annul a neder without remorse, the woman doesn't have to say, had I known what I know today, I wouldn't have made the neder, or I regret having made the neder. She doesn't have to say any of that. She just, her husband just unilaterally is able to annul the neder. He is not undoing the neder from its origin, from its, from its roots. He's not uprooting the neder. He's merely taking it away from now onwards. And that's the one side of this dilemma which the Gemara raises. Maybe there is a difference between the way a chacham undoes a neder and the way a husband undoes a neder. The chacham uproots retrospectively and the chacham simply cuts the neder off from now onwards. And that has these different these different implications. And the Gemara goes through a lot of discussion backwards and forwards and eventually comes to the conclusion that there is this difference in the way the husband and as a neder is in fact a different way. But the important point that I want us to focus on is this idea that the chacham needs charata. There has to be remorse uh, in order for the chacham to find a way to undo the neder. And the mechanism is, had you known 
then what you know now, had you had all the information that you have now, you wouldn't have made the neder. So this is like a neder b'ta'ut. You've made this neder mistakenly, unintentionally. And we can remove the intentionality from the neder. If the neder was made without intention, it's not a neder. So that's what the power of charata is. Charata, regret and remorse, can remove intentionality from a statement or from a thought or even from, from an action. It can remove intentionality retrospectively as if there never was bad intention in, in the beginning. And this is a, a principle that applies very importantly in the area of tshuva, uh, where we have the pasuk in Yirmiyahu, where Yirmiyahu says, Ki shuvi nichamti. After I did tshuva, I had remorse, I had regret. And the Mitzvah David explains, After I came back from my evil ways, I stopped doing the wrong that I was. I'm amazed, I'm so disappointed in myself. And I have regret on the sins that I did. And this is an important part of the process of tshuva, as the Rambam says in Hilchot Tshuva, that after leaving the sin, and, and removing it from one's mind and deciding not to go back to it. That's the first part one has to do. One has to do vidui. One has to confess, admit there needs to be an acknowledgement of truth. I did something wrong. Then one has to decide, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is done, it's over, I'm not doing this anymore. And to try and remove it from my mind as even a possibility and decide I will never do it again. Then, once you've got to that point, You've got to have regret and remorse that you committed the Avera, that you transgressed. As it says, as Yeremiah says, because after I did tshuva, I then had remorse. So remorse is not what triggers the tshuva. What triggers the tshuva is a decision, a choice. I've done wrong and I want to intervene. I want to stop the wrong and I don't want to repeat this again. That's where tshuva starts. It's quite a clinical decision. After the decision comes the deep emotional regret. And that regret is something that really removes the intentionality and makes it possible to wipe out the, the wrongdoing. Uh, and how much regret do you need? Until Until God, who knows the secrets of the heart, gives evidence that this man is so remorseful that in his current state, he would not be capable of repeating the sin. It's something you feel so badly about. Now we know what life is and remorse wears off and opportunities present themselves and, 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 and sometimes those undertakings are undone. But at that moment, Hashem is able to give evidence and say, at this moment, this person is feeling so pained about that which he or she did that they're not going to repeat it, they're not going to do it again. So there too we see this power of, of harata, the power of regret and remorse. And it's a power even in Ben Adam the Chaviro to apologize to somebody. When one's done some, somebody, uh, when, uh, some, something wrong, sometimes it's a, a colleague, sometimes it could be a stranger, but sometimes it's somebody very close, a husband or wife or a child or a parent. The power to regret, to have remorse, to, to say I'm sorry, but not just as a formula, the same as we learned on, on yesterday's death, the idea is not just to... A greet person as a person as a formula. There's there's deep feeling and honor in a greeting. So too in remorse. It's not just a formula. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry you feel that way. It's deep remorse. I'm deeply regretful that I did this. I feel so bad. 
And it's not just words, it has to come from that inner place where God gives evidence that your inner place is one of such regret that you would never do it again. That inner place projects itself to the other person. The other person feels the authenticity of the remorse. The other person feels nothing if you just say, I'm I'm sorry, I, I didn't intend to. But if the other person feels deep regret and the other person feels the energy coming from your heart of one of remorse, one of I'm so sorry I did this and I would never do it again, uh, then it takes away the intentionality and it's easy for the other person to move on, to forgive uh, and for the relationship to be repaired. In fact, often it is repaired in an even stronger and more reinforced way than it was before before the wrongdoing. That's the power of harata. Just as a chacham, unlike a husband who can intervene just with Xerata Katuv, the Torah gave him the authority to cut a neder off, but a chacham undoes a neder by penetrating to the heart of the person who made the oath and understanding the true regret and remorse, and from removing the intentionality, they can undo the power of the oath. And so in the area of tshuva, by undoing the intentionality through the power of, of remorse, we can retrospectively undo the evil effect of the actions we've committed, of the thoughts we've had, and of the words we've used.